0: ride them cowboy jump on your horse and fly with us you can ride a unicorn you can ride a regular donkey or you can ride a thoroughbred horse welcome aboard to fishing without bait a lifetime of full impact mindfulness where we challenge people and the only price of admission is honesty open-mindedness and the willingness to try i'm your host jim ellermeyer a behavioral health therapist and today i'm joined by my Sometimes partner and good friend, uh, Alexandra Sasha Zalesnik. Welcome aboard, Sasha.
1: Well, I'm happy to be here, Jim. And yes, if it causes confusion, I, I go by Sasha, not Alexandra, just so we make that clear. <laughs> well, sure, <laughs> but, of course. But um, I'm really excited to be here and, and talk a little bit with you about you know maybe maybe unicorns or thoroughbred <laughs> horses but <laughs> and how they might make our life better
0: well when we when we talk about what the the type of wellness that we envision which is holistic wellness mind body and spirit we incorporate all three uh, modalities into the wellness of a person as we often say sasha there is no one medicine there's no one yoga there's no one energy medicine there's no one uh, there's no one uh, talk therapy that really can cure anybody. What we try to do is mix and match and be like artists and the people they're the canvas and we help them paint a beautiful picture of themselves and sometimes it's different type of shadings, different type of uh, things so what we offer is lifestyle changes and lifestyle enhancements we have no desire to change anyone because we're all spiritual beings, we just happen to be having a human experience and And I was so interested when you showed me your capstone project uh, for Mount Union, which was equine therapy. Could you tell us a little bit about your background first?
1: Sure. So by, by trade, I guess I'm a psychiatric physician assistant. Of course, that's how I know Jim, the universal line for us to meet and create great things. So prior to all of that, I was always a visionary i wanted to know why people thought the, the things they thought why they did the things they did and despite that i was i was just an observer of life i wasn't quite a participant in life growing up and that's
0: quite a uh, that's quite a telling statement i was an observer of life i was not a participant could you explore that a little further
1: actually as part of mindfulness i was just teaching this class last week you know there's you know observe describe and participate and we do a whole lot of observing when we're watching TV but we never feel like we participate in the <laughs> in the conversations that we we witness so that's kind of how life can be when you're in an observing mind you don't feel like you fit in perhaps or know what to say in the conversation so you just kind of soak it all in and you can learn a lot that way but it's a whole lot more fulfilling once we find an avenue to participate
0: So when we find our passion, the Japanese have a concept called ikigai, and iki means life and gai means purpose. So that's uh, to find your life's purpose. And once somebody finds a life's purpose, then they're on their way to fulfillment and and being happy. Goals and ambitions. Most people, uh, we often talk about time traveling, you and I. Do we not?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So at some people, they sit and they wonder what's going to do with my life. Where am I at? And that's called existential dread. Uh, I'm sure that we run into many people like that. However, however, uh, just the standard line of, well, maybe this molecule will help you, or well, we'll come and we'll talk to you when you talk to us. However, you developed a, a different venue, a different avenue where you go, which is, I find, extremely interesting and extremely impactful in people's lives. Could you could you talk a little bit about the, what, your, what your passion is?
1: Yes, and so that c- kind of takes me back, I guess, to my little observer self. So when I was young, I I didn't ask for anything. My mom said I was like perfect. I was always silent and I just did what she wanted. And then I was eight years old and I went to a barn. For so the you, were first a, time. you were you
0: were a Stepford child. Okay. I guess.
1: <laughs> I went to the barn and suddenly after that, she said I began asking for one thing repetitively. I wanted to go back to the barn. And okay. you know, she thought, you know, people told told her that I was a little odd prior to that. And then the second time we went to the barn, I said, Oh, I wish that they could bottle this smell. And then she knew I was definitely odd. <laughs> 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 and so um Ultimately, going through riding and learning how to ride and being around the horses, I went from an observer to a participator, and the horses were the avenue for me to do that. They they listened to me even when I wasn't speaking.
0: Hmm. So the horses listen to you without you speaking, without you verbalizing something. Let's stay there for a moment. Please talk about that.
1: Yeah, so horses are incredible at being attentive to body language. They are herd animals by their own nature, and their brains are actually incredibly limbic. So what that means is we all, all all of us, higher level mammals have a part of our brain that is limbic and that's our emotional center. And horses are predominantly limbic where people have more cognitive reasoning and, and cortical functioning. Than horses do but that makes horses incredibly sensitive to emotional states of other horses their own emotional states mm. and then also other animals that surround them including people so they like very calm steady emotional states the more reactive that we are one way or another either fearful or aggressive they get uncomfortable and they make it known that they're uncomfortable and when a 1300 1300- 1300 pound animal makes it known that they're uncomfortable you can't quite miss it
0: <laughs> so what you're getting across to us is that uh horses uh are more equines are more emotional artists uh, sometimes what we like to talk about here is we refer we refer to most males to By the way of their upbringing and training and orientation, is that they deal with thoughts and feelings like a child using a crayon on a piece of paper with one hand. However, we view females as being like artists with emotions and feelings, painting beautiful masterpieces with depth and color and feeling and meaning. So would that translate into a horse?
1: Well, I guess... Both male and female horses are pretty emotional, Mm. but I can definitely say that maybe female horses are a little emotional and a lot of women connect with horses Mm. more than men in human standpoint, but that hasn't really been historical. That's just current culture. I think we all have emotions, men and women, maybe just women are better at expressing them. So that can be a sort of an avenue for connection to horse and human.
0: So the horses... Uh, have more of a understanding and have empathy? Was that what you're trying to say toward people? Do they they feel the feelings?
1: So, y- yes, they they feel the feelings, but they, I guess, wouldn't give necessarily empathy. They are making requests from us to be calm, yet confident leaders. So as I was saying, they they don't like either extreme of aggression or you know, a fearful state, you know, like submission. They want you to be right down the middle. So in a way, they can kind of become a biofeedback machine mm. that tells us where to be where to be effective because they'll only listen to us if we're in the right emotional state and consequently and conveniently, I guess. That is the same emotional state that makes us more effective in dealing with people as well, getting what we want, making requests, and earning respect.
0: So could you give us some of experiences out of your own life when you've come into the barn and you've encountered your horses, let's say, in various stages of emotional distress or happiness or calmness? Give us some of the horses' reactions.
1: So I had a horse that I used to call the humbler (laughs) because if you would come into the barn in too much of an aggressive state or a too highly confident state, man, she would let you know real quick who's bigger. (laughs) And there were a lot of people that she wouldn't even tolerate, and yet the smallest little child that knew nothing, she'd just kind of let them, you know, be kind to her, and she'd be nice and gentle with them. Not that she was ever dangerous to other people, but she wouldn't listen to them, and she'd you know, not do as they requested, and so it would humble was, them. So if somebody
0: mm-hmm. was loud and boisterous and maybe a little bit demanding and maybe quite full of themselves when Correct. when they came in, the horse would uh, say, I'd prefer not to be in your company.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, mean, I actually tried to sell her once. I ended up keeping her until she died because she jumped for me. Every time I got on her, that was her favorite thing to do. And I guess somebody came and they were, at least they thought, quite a proficient rider. And they were a little bit too pushy. They didn't request. They demanded from uh. her. And she would not walk over a pole on the ground for them. Mm. They thought I was an incredible liar, that she was a uh. good jumper. <laughs> and I got back on her and what do you know, over she went.
0: <laughs> okay. You're going to have to really educate us. Can the horse, does it the horse reflect the emotional state of the other person or?
1: So getting into the more specifics of, of equine therapy outside of my own experiences, they related a lot to attachment theory and affect mirroring is mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that people talk about. You'll hear quotes, you know, the horse is the mirror to the soul. Mm-hmm. And it's because they are incredibly responsive to that deep Interstate. So for people, we can put on a mask and you know show a little fake smile that everything's fine. Where a horse, you know, whether we don't really know actually if it's through scent or through incredible attention to body language, but they they can read right through all of those fake smiles. And if somebody isn't confident or is fearful, a horse will often become either fearful as well or. They'll feel like they need to take over the situation since, you know, the anxious person is incompetent and then they'll become more more domineering. So then we learn how to interact in a a social setting, because honestly, that's what happens with people, too. We all live in this submission dominance in much more complicated terms in, in people than in horses. But it's the same sort of concept that we can learn how to interact in appropriate social Manners to earn both respect and appreciation.
0: So, one of the concepts and one of the benefits of group therapy is that you can uh, try out new behaviors in a safe environment where you were going to either get positive feedback, maybe learn how to do different things. Is that what you're kind of saying? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Talk talk more about that. That's interesting.
1: The nice thing about horses is that they are in the present moment. When we talk about mindfulness and time traveling, they just don't fit together. Horses don't really time travel. They're exactly in that moment, for the most part. So, we can have, perhaps, a little boy that is too overly enthusiastic around his peers, so they just try to avoid him, and he doesn't understand why. And
0: overly enthusiastic is?
1: Uh, Maybe a little bit aggressive, or in-your-face, or hyperactive, Ah, as I guess they term it. So... He doesn't really know why he doesn't have any friends among his peers, and we take him to the barn, and he sees a horse, and in his usually overly enth- enthusiastic self, he runs up, hands in the air, wanting to pet its face, and ah, okay. throws its head up, and you know, is deterred by his aggression. Mm. He can come back and try again in a minute, and the horse is there responding Appropriately, as long as he behaves appropriately. Whereas when we have peer to peer interactions, we don't often get that opportunity for second chances because in humans, we make judgments and then those judgments are held to us. So,
0: you're talking, that's, that's a key word that you just said judgment. And one of the things, Sasha, that you and I, uh, when we do these kind of groups and put things out, is one of the most challenging things about this mindfulness aspect is to take what we would call a non judgmental stance. So, are you trying to tell us that the horse can take a non judgmental stance? Uh, yes,
1: a- absolutely.
0: Okay, so uh, horses are. Zen masters. Yeah,
1: they are mindfulness yeah. <laughs> masters, literally. <laughs>
0: well, it's just like a cat. A cat is not worried about the mouse that it caught yesterday or uh, the dinner that it's thinking about tomorrow. It's right here and it's right now, like what we always talk about on this show. What time is it? Well, it's right now. Where are you at? Well, you're right here. and So you're talking about the horses being right there.